Hello and welcome to Boyle Meets World. I am your host, as always, Andrew Boyle. At this point in time, I'm still not funny. Still not a funny guy. I might have gotten some people's hopes up last week. But definitely not a funny guy. I hope no one misconstrued what I said to actually lead to you believing that I am funny. Like I said, test results are coming in. Um, So far, everything looks inconclusive. Um, I don't think we'll ever be able to overturn the fact that I'm not funny. But what I am is right. I am 100% right, based off of what we talked about in my last podcast. And I would love to hear from anyone that doubted me. Um, Last podcast was a long one, but it was a very well listened to podcasts. I've had a lot of, a lot more listens than I expected. Um, I'm sure most of those people disagreed with what I had to say about the Pittsburgh Steelers being a playoff team. And then they uh, opened their arms, welcomed the Indianapolis Colts, who by all measures have beat the Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, lost to the Raiders, lost to the Chargers, but still, by all accounts, a fairly respectable, a fairly respectable team in the NFL this year. Um, they've got a, one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, they've got one of the best defenses in the league. I'll say that at times, um, Jacoby Brissett has shown signs of being able to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, I'm still not 100% convinced. Um, but that didn't matter because there's the Brian Hoyer show in Pittsburgh. But that's going to be an excuse Colts fan will use, even though the Steelers have gone through plenty of quarterbacks this season and we're still finding ways to win. Anyway, I told you all that Pittsburgh Steelers have been in a lot of close games with a lot of tough teams this year. Um, this weekend was no different. I was fortunate enough. I was fortunate enough to see the action firsthand in Pittsburgh. Sorry about the honk. That's some dumb fuck crossing a crosswalk that I stopped for him at. And then as soon as he crossed the walk, he proceeded to start pointing to those lines, which I came to a complete stop at, and started yelling that you need to stop the lines, which I stopped at. So, we had to give him a little honk, let him know, shut the hell up, you're a dumbass. Anyway, back to the matter at hand here. Pittsburgh Steelers are a team that has been riddled by injuries, um, bad luck, but like I've said, those are excuses. All that matters at the end of the year are how many of those 16 games in your season you win through hell or high water, bad luck, injuries, you have to find a way to win games if anyone is going to be talking about you having a playoff hope come December. I feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a team, regardless of record right now, they're only 4-4. Four and four. Um, I mean, 500 teams at the halfway point typically have a shot at getting in, but I think this Pittsburgh Steelers team is better than a 4-4 four and four record that they're showing. Um, and what I saw in Pittsburgh, I'm not going to come out and say that that was a great showing of football. 
Um, I feel like both teams struggled to move the ball at times. Um, it was definitely, even though it was a fairly high-scoring game, I think the final score is 26-24, to 24, maybe? I'm trying to remember. Um, 26, I think it was 26-24. Um, don't have it in front of me. It's bad. I was at the game. I watched it with my own two eyes. From section 113, row O, seat 7. Shout out to Game Time for hooking us up with some great seats. Um, I'm not a seat geek guy. Um, I don't think Pat McAfee's funny, so I don't support seat geek. I've been a Game Time guy through and through. So shout out to Game Time for the incredible seats at a much lower rate than you could find on seat geek. Anyway, taking in the game. Um, it was, by all accounts, a defensive matchup. The, um, Colts got a little screwed by losing Jacoby Brissett, but honestly, that's the only thing that they were quote-unquote screwed by. I think the refereeing was fair. Um, I think there were bad calls both ways, but at the end of the day, this just goes to show that Coaches, there's no point. <clears throat> Sorry, there's no point in reviewing a pass interference in this league. <clears throat> it's going to be a judgment call. Any play can be slowed down, and you could see it either being an interference or not an interference. I think the refs are at the point now that they don't agree with the ability to challenge the play. So they're not going to enforce the rule like they're supposed to. Right or wrong, I think that it's just something that NFL coaches have to accept. Um, I would either expect one or two things to happen either later in the year come playoff time or next year to either do away with the rule to have the ability to challenge a pass interference or a strict like hit the reset button, switch everything up, and dive into making this something that you can make a call on. But right now, as the rule stands, there's no way that your typical NFL referee is going to overturn a call unless it's just blatantly blown. Um, I think that the Saints game, that one is a blatantly blown call. Probably would have been overturned. But your typical both players... um, Oh, shit. Before we go any further, I have to address the uh, the honking situation. So I thought the guy was. So let's back up about five six minutes. I thought the gentleman was waving his hands at me, saying "your lines," as in I didn't stop at the lines. What he was trying to tell me was that I didn't have my headlights on, which it's six p.m. Typically, you would need your headlights on driving home. But thanks to daylight savings, it is pitch black outside. Um, my fault, oh, whoever that guy is. Um, if you're a fan of the show, I apologize. I doubt you are. I was in the wrong. I made a mistake. I have been driving in the interstate for a couple minutes now without any headlights on. So we're going to take care of that problem right now. Anyway, what was I even talking about? Um, anyway, yeah, 
was talking about the pass interference call. Long story short, do I think some of the calls sucked? Yeah, I think Alberto Riveron is a terrible NFL referee. I think most NFL referees as a whole are biased and they're not all going to call the same place the same way. But that's life. That's the human element of the game. At the end of the day, that's two or three plays that you... I'm going to take some criticism, but they really don't make a huge difference in the outcome of the game when there is 59 minutes and 50 seconds of other opportunities to put yourself in a situation to win or lose a game. So blown call, yeah, that sucks. I get it. Um, I can think of one or two instances against both teams that saw a pretty bad call, squander an opportunity, or burn some momentum, but that's football. Should have done a better job earlier on in the game. Um, And one of my favorite sayings of all time from Terrence Scott Boyle, excuses are like assholes. Everyone's got one and they all stink. So go ahead, Colts fans. Tell me the one of 975 ways that Adam Vinatieri's missed kick wasn't his fault, even though he's missed 10 kicks this year. Um, I would love to hear the 10th and get ready for that 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th excuse that you're going to pull out of your ass and not be able to come to terms that Adam Vinatieri is not as good as a kicker as he once was. Please bring your excuses. I am going to name myself the hub of crybaby bitch Adam Vinatieri missing field goals and extra points forum. I want to hear your excuses. That being said, I am in a great mood because my Pittsburgh Steelers beat a team that dumbass Pat McAfee and slightly ill-informed Waxon's world have been pegging as Super Bowl contenders, as teams that will easily trounce the Steelers in a game that I feel like the national media as a whole and most NFL fans that don't know what they're talking about, which is the majority of NFL fans as a whole anyway, just wrote off as, oh, it's a Colts victory because I they have a better record. Um, I don't watch NFL games. I don't watch the Steelers, but national media tells me the Steelers aren't very good. National media tells me that a broken elbow, Big Ben, and a flaccid offense coupled with a defense that didn't know who they were got blown out by the Patriots and that they lost some close games. So the narrative was anyone that supposedly quote-unquote knew anything about the NFL thought the Colts were a lock. But for a more informed person who realizes that your record doesn't 100% define you and that you have to actually watch an NFL game to understand how an NFL team plays given any certain situation. But I told you that, number one, Steelers have a great defense. Number two, even with injury on the offensive side of the ball, This Steelers offensive line is going to give the run game a chance to succeed, which they did at times, 
They also failed at times, which is why I feel like the game was much closer than it should have been. I think the Steelers should have blown the Colts out. I'm just argue me that all you want. I feel like the Steelers got a little conservative down the stretch. Um, we ran the ball a little bit too much. Our O-line kind of collapsed on us in that fourth quarter. We still won the game. I don't give a damn. Um, the pass game, give Mason Rudolph a chance to throw down the field. Most people haven't seen that this year just because they watch Center for 30 seconds, see the narrative about dink and dump. That's not just who Mason Rudolph is. This offense week by week has started to allow him to get a little bit more confident, take those shots downfield, and more and more he's starting to connect. Um, and then the biggest thing, really, and thank goodness I had the opportunity to be on the field, stood on the grass before the game. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the east end of Heinz Field. The um, so the interesting thing about Heinz Field and what I love about this stadium is how open up it is. Like you have a great view of the city. Um, I mean, outside of the black and yellow everywhere, well, you have a great view of the city skyline, much like PNC Park. But this doesn't bear so well for some aspects of the game, such as kicking. Um, the east end of Heinz Field is an open bowl build. Um, there's really nothing standing in between the goalpost and the uh, Allegheny River, which is whipping on a cold, windy day like yesterday. Um, that wind is blowing full-fledged right to the face of the kicker, and Adam Vinatieri wanted no part of this. Adam Vinatieri warming up was missing 25 yard extra points both with a holder and on a tee Adam Vinatieri spent maybe four minutes I would have to say total kicking from the east end of Heinz Field all you'll hear on the national sports media is oh well Adam Vinatieri hitting 55 yarders and warm-ups I can't believe he's kicking at the other end of the field with the wind at his back he wanted no part of the east end of the stadium, and that's why I was shocked when the coin toss went in favor of the Colts that he elected to defer rather than electing to choose field position. Heinz Field is historically one of the worst stadiums in the NFL to kick. The longest field goal ever kicked in the stadium actually came in a college in a, a college football game, 55 yards. Um, that's much shorter than most statements you'll find. And I, I knew 50 minutes before the game that Adam Vinatieri, if it came down to it, was not going to be making a field goal kicking towards the east side of the stadium. Um, that's something I wholeheartedly believed. Um, he is 100% afraid of kicking at a Heinz Field on the east end of the stadium confirmed. You cannot tell me otherwise. Adam Vinatieri is afraid to kick at Heinz Field. And that just goes to show by his shank job that ruined the Colts' chances to squander a Pittsburgh Steelers playoff run. Squandered the opportunity to move to, I don't even care about their record, but I think they'd be 6-2. and two, um, Hold sole possession of, 
I think they would have sole possession of the AFC South since uh, Texans haven't gone on a bye yet. I think they go on their bye next week and the Colts play the Dolphins. So that should be a win, even though the Colts love to play down their competition. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Colts. This is not a Colts podcast. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you didn't believe it now, you better believe these Pittsburgh Steelers are a playoff team. They are sitting at 4-4. Four and four. They are, at this point, sitting right there around 5 or 6 for the wild card spot. Just because the Colts have a one-game advantage on them in record, that doesn't mean anything to me right now. Um, our next several games include... Cleveland Browns twice. We go and we play Cincinnati once. We play against the phony Buffalo Bills, who have the phoniest 6-2 record I've ever seen. Um, We go and play the New York Jets. So, all those winnable games. I'm going to give us all five of those games. There's no doubt in my mind we'll win all five of those games. So, that'll give us nine wins on the season. And that means we just have to go one and three against the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, God, who else do we play? Um, I know we play Baltimore one more time. And then probably another so-so team. I did... All I'm trying to say here is if you don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to end the year at 10 and 6 or possibly 11 and 5, then... I don't know what I can tell you at this point, but who knows? Um, Colts or the Steelers have also been known to play down to competition from time to time. Um, they could be shaky and lose one of those games, and I could be completely wrong. But what I've seen from this team, a team that started out 0-3, taking some heartbreaking beatdowns, um, lost games, much like the game they're in, against Indianapolis last night or yesterday afternoon um, a ball bouncing the wrong way as a metaphor and literally just things not going the Steelers way deciding not to just take those excuses and say you know we'd be fine if this hadn't happened or we'd be fine if this play hadn't gone this way no they are building from the ground up they've they know they're in a bad situation. They know that they lost their franchise quarterback for the year. Um, one of our best defenders, Stephon Tuitt, who was having an all-pro season, is out with a torn bicep. We can't get runny at the or get healthy at the running back position. Um, we lost probably the most talented running back in the league and the most talented wide receiver in the league to CTE and to the Jets, who are having a phenomenal season. Um, Le'Veon Bell did a great job choosing to both lose $14.5 million holding out last year and then deciding to sign with the Jets for $15 million less than the Steelers were offering him. Um, he definitely wasn't greedy. Greed does not come back and bite you. He made a great business decision for himself and the NFL as a whole. But with all that being said, I'll harp on this point again. Those are all excuses. They have found ways to either be in games and show signs of the ability to come out on top or going ahead, going ahead and doing so. Um, the Steelers' first half of the season was a tough one. Um, 
prior to week one, if you would have told me they'd be four and four right now, I would have scoffed at you and said there's no way. But after seeing that week one loss, and then definitely after week two, after watching Big Ben go out, and then seeing us losing Stefan Tuitt when we played uh, Cincinnati, I, I mean, week by week, it just became impossible to believe that this team would even be sniffing five wins, let alone 500 this season. But here we are, um, 500, probably one of the most favorable, um, one of the most favorable um, schedules down the in the stretch for the next eight games. So I'm, I'm pleased to tell you that everything I said last week was true. Pittsburgh Steelers are a playoff contending team, and I would not expect anything less than the number five seed, and that's given that we don't come out and win the whole damn AFC North, which I don't think is impossible. I think it's difficult to believe, but I don't think these Ravens are as good as they... Uh, I'll say it. I'm going to get burned on this one. I don't think the Ravens are as good as they appear. Um, Lamar Jackson is is not as good as a quarterback as he appears right now um, when they played the Steelers. Lamar Jackson had 132 passing yards for three interceptions, got sacked five times, and that uh, Baltimore defense got carved up by Mason Rudolph in our running game until Earl Thomas decided to try and end Mason Rudolph's life. Um, They lost to a horrible, horrible Browns team that has one more win than the Dolphins do nine weeks into the season. So, uh, forgive me, but I don't just watch games that the Baltimore Ravens play in primetime. I watch every Baltimore Ravens game, just like I watch every Pittsburgh Steelers game. And I'm here to tell you, that if you can figure out Lamar Jackson in this offensive scheme, and if you have even a decent offensive game plan, and you're not a phony system team like the Patriots are, who I understand carved up the Steelers, but some teams just have an advantage over other teams, just like the Steelers always have an advantage over the Colts whenever they play. They're just teams that other teams have difficulty beating. Um... That's sort of the case for the Patriots with Baltimore. But man, that Baltimore team made the Patriots look bad. And that was the same team. And this can go for every team we've lost to the season besides the Patriots. Teams that are being considered leaps and bounds ahead of the Steelers. They're getting destroyed by teams that we have carved up for three quarters and lost the game at the end like any team that has lost to the 49ers. Um, Keep in mind that that was a very winnable game for the Steelers. The same goes for any Seattle team. Um, Any team Seattle beats, any team that Baltimore beats. Um, Steelers are doing a lot with a little right now. Um, Fingers crossed there's no more injuries. Um, I, I I honestly believe if the injuries can subside if we can keep a healthy team on the field, at at least the guys we got right now. Um, It'd be nice to see a couple guys come back earlier from injuries than anticipated, but even with the team we got now, and that's including James Conner healthy back, um, 
I feel like the sky's the limit for this team. Um, to be able to go out and be competitive like they were yesterday with not the best offensive game in the world, um, to be able to go and put up 26 points. The red zone scores are going to come. Um, this is Mason Rudolph's, I want to say, fourth start ever in the NFL. Um, he's got to he's got to learn to look at, through his progressions. Um, if option one's not there and option two's not there, look for your third option. Um, there were definitely some times yesterday where he had guys wide open in the end zone, in the red zone, and he just didn't connect because he just he doesn't have that experience yet. But that comes with an NFL season. I think that this Steelers team will be a dangerous play for anybody come playoff time. Um, if you disagree, please let me know why, because I would love to enlighten you and educate you on why you're wrong. With that being said, let's see if we can get a podcast soon about what the uh, what the studies say about whether or not I'm funny. That one should be coming soon. I'll let everyone know. But in the meantime, I'm going to end it right there. Um, hope you all learned something. I will be back probably next Monday after we beat the Rams in Pittsburgh and then go on a little road show to play some scrub teams like Cleveland on Thursday night who has no prayer to beat the Steelers. Um, we'll just see. I think it's going to be interesting. I don't expect anything less than the Steelers to make the playoffs. And if I'm wrong, I will... We'll see. I'll do some for Waxen's World. We'll figure it out on Twitter. But uh, I'm willing to bet that the Steelers make the playoffs. And that's where we're going to leave it at. We'll see you in the next one.